listening to Creative and Curious, a weekly podcast made for creative seekers who are compelled to let your inner artist reign free. Here we explore the mystery of how creating makes us better humans and artists. I'm Marika, and welcome to today's Discoveries. things have changed. And because I think that art and life are pretty much intertangled, I'm not sure too much what the difference is between the two of them. I always talk about life a lot when I talk about art and there is something transformational happening right now. And I've said that before and it's still happening. So it's always interesting to kind of check in and see where I am, where we are and what's going on. I remember shortly before we went into lockdown, what life was like, sort of. It's hard for me to remember. I remember the beautiful weather on the day that the governor told the kids to go home and not come back for school for, I think at the time, six weeks. I remember how shocking that was. I remember just a few days before being at the climbing gym, talking to my daughter's climbing coach about competitions that were coming up and wondering if they were even going to happen and if I should sign somebody up or sign my kids up for it. And he thought no at the time. And we were talking about it. And he also thought they'll never shut down the schools. They can't do that. A few days later, they did. It felt like that for a while. It felt like every time somebody says, oh, no, they won't do that. It happened. And it was shocking. It was traumatic. It was really strange. And I know I was thinking a lot of things in my life. I was thinking a lot of things about what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. I have this journal that I can look at and I still haven't even looked into that's filled with ideas and the direction that I wanted to take my business, my life, what I, what vision I had for myself. And for a while, like a month or two into this, it was difficult for me to even think about what I was thinking before this happened. It seems so surreally different. But I think it's also sort of important to weigh that sensation, right? That sensation of I'm, I'm so no longer thinking in those spaces that therefore that must mean that I have changed fundamentally. And I have, I have. And it's weird because I'm, I think it is fundamental. I think that whatever normal we go back to, I will find that I won't be the same person anymore after this. For a while, I remember so distinctly thinking how I wasn't going to let this change me. And, or maybe I was going to let this change me. I was deeply, deeply concerned that I couldn't be more helpful, that I wasn't a healthcare worker. I wasn't a teacher. I wasn't you know, any of these people who are really, really like struggling with the immediacy of the situation. And I felt helpless. I felt like, and I really wanted to help. And I was sort of berating myself for, you know, 
the the career that I left behind. You know, I used to teach at a college and I thought, well, maybe if I was at a college, I could be doing something, but then I can go down this road. I I know what that means for me. And I know what that means in terms of whether that's the right choice for me, but at least I would have been feeling help, uh, helpful at the time. It was really important to me. There were other things that we could do. We could, you know, give money. We could be helpful to friends, you know, those kinds of things in those small ways. But I, I wanted to, to really feel like I could make a difference. And that was changing me. That was changing my mindset at the time. And I was thinking, well, maybe I should, you know, go back to teaching formally. Um, maybe I should go back to teaching K through 12 because clearly they need help. They've, they've, uh, they don't know what they're doing with the online stuff. And I've taught a lot online. Not that I love it, but I have. I was thinking maybe I should go back and get my PhD. That's the other thing that's always sort of been hovering over me is, you know, your PhD material, Marika. I, I have some, a lot of reservations about PhD stuff, including that I don't think it's a good financial decision. I don't think the money you put into a PhD is necessarily going to come back to me, um, especially as a woman. You know, since I was in academia, that would seem to be, always be the progression is that you would get a PhD. Everything was so up in the air, that, including me, basically, including me. I was up in the air. Marika, the artist, is Marika really an artist? Is she a teacher anymore? Is she, what is she? If the world is changing, do I have to change? And I finally came to peace with it. I finally just said, I can let this change me. I can let this big, huge, monumental, historic event in the history of humankind, I can let this change me. It was weird. As soon as I decided that, as soon as I decided that I could let it change me and I was having this discussion with myself about being more helpful, about feeling more useful on the planet, it's almost like I forgot about it. I quit having the discussion as soon as I gave myself permission to just say, yes, go ahead, change if you want to change. You know, maybe in the fall, go back to school. Maybe, maybe go be a teacher, go do these things. Maybe, 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 maybe. Um, as soon as I said, okay, I'm ready. I can do it. I can change if I need to. It went away. That voice just totally went away. So interesting. And instead what's happened is I've now noticed that I have changed not in these sort of external ways, in these ways of being, um, in these ways of labels and, you know, what, what I do in a lot of ways, the ways that I approach the world. I want to share that. Maybe you found the same thing. Maybe that you have found that some of these things that have happened while we've been in this strange sort of pause in our life have fundamentally changed you and maybe even for the good which is weird too. The first thing that I've noticed is that I have a different relationship with time. Time just seems so much more spacious to me. Part of that is, you know, life before was a lot of moving the kids around from school and back to school and to the next thing, to the sports, to the climbing, to the, you know, whatever school event was happening. I mean, every single day was sort of filled with that. And suddenly that's gone off the table. And basically you have the whole day to yourself. Um, I'm very fortunate in the sense that my kids are online, moved quickly into online and the schools they go to transitioned well. And, the, and my kids are very independent. And so they can 
they can manage themselves. Not all the time very well, but, but most of the time they manage themselves very, very well. And I've done some things to make that, to make that more uh, palatable to them. Um, I have a bingo sheet that I've given them that has things like uh, all the different things that um, they could do in a week. So, and some of the squares are things like cleaning the house. Some are, you know, just having fun, throwing the Frisbee, doing, doing some climbing. We built a climbing wall in our backyard, uh, doing a workout just, or, and other things are things like doing an art project. There's all sorts of stuff that they can do. It's just to provide some sense of variety in their life and they have a week to complete it and they complete it on their own time and they get a reward for doing that. And so that keeps them fairly independent. It's not a perfect system. There's some friction around it when it's not getting done in time or if things are not being done at the quality that we want, or we have to, you know, you always have to manage your kids but it does help them be independent in all this and hopefully help them see that there are other things to do besides the things that they tend to really want to do all the time. Um, one of them is video games. Well, for both of them really. So, which, you know, in this environment, it's hard not to say, don't, we can't play video games. It's like, that's, it's an easy thing to fall back on with so much time. Anyways, those things give me the sense of spaciousness of time, this sense that most of my time is my own and I can kind of manage my day the way that I want to manage it. And within that, I've been learning to enjoy a slow, steady progress. That is not my style. Slow, steady progress, whether or not it seems like it, I am a very impatient person. I really, really want. I want results. I want them quick. I can be very hard on myself when I don't get them quickly. I expect a lot out of myself. And the best place for me to see this happen is in my workout. Because I'm working with an online trainer. He has been training me uh, in a very slow, progressive way. That in the, in the beginning, I doubted. I thought it was too easy. I thought it was too slow. I didn't tell him. I told myself I need to trust the programming. He knows what he's doing. And the slow, steady, progressive approach to my fitness, I have gotten beyond what I thought was possible in eight weeks. I've reached milestones of goals that I didn't even know that I could achieve. They weren't even on my radar. Um, and when I did them, I thought, "There's no, this is crazy that I'm doing these things. And it was, it's a very conservative approach. It didn't require that I be, you know, work out super intensely or do anything. So that I was like panting on the floor and crippled by how intense it was. It hasn't been like that at all. It's just been very steady pace and easy for me to just, you know, the next week, basically one week we do a certain set of reps. The next week we just add one and suddenly I'm, you know, at this crazy place in my strength. It's amazing. I've been working on my pull-ups in the same way and I've just completed eight. I'm going to attempt nine tomorrow. I'm actually really sure that I can do nine. I've had this goal of doing 10 for a very long time. 
And again, it's just been a slow, steady pace. I have tried a lot of different things to get to 10 and I've always ended up hurting myself in part because I'm so impatient and I don't give myself the spaciousness, the time, the slow, steady pace of progress. I feel like the workout, my workout teaches me all these little mini lessons in, in life, like all the time, because they're just these moments in times. They're kind of condensed time. You can learn a lot from them. These learning lessons exist in everything and they exist equally in my painting. Again, no kids activities has meant that our nights are very, very uh, routine. Now we have dinner. We sit down, we play some kind of game, usually a collaborative video game or a board game or something like that. And then they like to watch a movie or some TV show. And I think I've said it before, and I paint. So I've been painting. I have over 30 paintings now of all sorts of stuff. They're very intuitive style. It's all watercolor. It's all just, what do I feel like doing today? And again, slow, steady, progress. These are tiny paintings. There's nothing monumental about them. Some of them are quite beautiful and some of them suck. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what I found really interesting is that's part of the progress, right? That's the same thing in a workout. Some days you have bad days, some days you have great days and some days are in between. And that's the same thing with this practice of painting. I, with painting, I have these sort of, you know, artifacts of, uh, of my progress. I recently went through all of them and sort of stacked them up against each other and made piles of what I thought was good and almost good and four piles. Good, almost good, what the heck, and no way. <laughs> and, and, you know, more than half of them were in the, in the better pile. And that was great. It was really interesting to see how successful I could be on a nightly basis. Something as uh, challenging as art with different paper and stuff like that. I've also actually then taken the top paintings and I've whittled them down more and into different stories and styles and directions that I can go. I've basically gifted myself these beautiful little paintings that can be expanded on into a collection which I never would have given myself the time to do that. I never would have given myself so much choice, right? Where I just sit down and just keep painting and painting and painting for, for what, like 35 days, 40 days, whatever. And then afterwards, see where I want to go. I was I ne never like that before. It was always before, like, what am I going to paint now? How am I, you know, and, and how good it has to be now and all that stuff with, with these with that spaciousness of time, I've just been able to like, I'm just going to paint. I'm just going to paint. And now I can go back and reflect and really find the nuggets and um, have these new directions that are very inspiring. It's really wonderful. I've also been uh, working on my mindset quite a bit and which I think, you know, we hear a lot about mental health and it's, it's going to be a challenge for everybody. It has been a challenge for everybody on this. I worry about everybody, I, including myself, I've definitely had bad days. Everything is so problematic right now that it's very difficult to not let it, let a day go by, go by, um, and not worry a little bit about what the future is going to be like, especially for my kids and stuff like that. But I am working on my mindset. 
And of course I meditate every morning and I journal every morning. I'm pretty regimented in terms of how I manage myself in the mornings. And uh, one of the things that I've run into in, um, in some of my reading about mindset, and this comes from NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming is the fact that we can be oriented in different ways to time. So we have, we can be past oriented. We can be uh, now or present oriented or future oriented. And if you are future oriented, you tend to plan a lot. If you're now oriented, you can tend to get lost in the moment and just really enjoy yourself at the best. And if you're past oriented, you tend to take what you've learned from the past and sort of bring it into the future as if it's sort of the same context. You know, what worked in the past will work now kind of attitude. There can be a lot of trauma in that as well. I'm beginning to identify how that works in me. I definitely, I'm more of a future oriented person more than anything. I'm, I plan everything in this house. I plan my day. I plan my goals. I have lots of goals. Future people have lots of goals. And I've just always been like that. I'm just really in my, really in the, in the future. What that means is I'm not very now oriented, which means that sometimes I really have to calm and settle myself to get into now to really enjoy now fully because I'm often just sort of thinking about the future. The past is a learning and <laughs> is a learning experience that I take into the context of the future. Usually I'm trying to improve upon the past, which is then getting into the goal oriented stuff. I'm not one of these people who thinks if something worked in the past, it's always going to work. Instead, I'm like, if something worked, that's great. If something didn't work, how can I improve it? So it will end the future, very future oriented. This is good and bad folks. It's not like it, none of it is, none of it is better than the other it's, but it is very interesting to kind of find where you are. My husband is definitely more in the past and now, and I'm more of the future and now. So when we talk about things, I'm often talking about what I think the future is going to be like, and he'll often be bringing what he's learned from the past into that context. It, it becomes a balancing thing between the two of us. Sometimes there's friction in that for sure, but there's also a balance in that. I was just talking to my son about this because I've been thinking about it so much, but it all works together. And so, and a really good example is my relationship to pull-ups. And again, I'm using this example because it's so tangible for me. It also works in art and I'll tell you in a second how I see that. But pull-ups are very difficult for me. They're very hard. It's just a hard exercise. I call them gender bias. They're very difficult for women to do. I didn't complete my first pull-up, I think until I was 38. And forever, I thought they were impossible. That, those things are what I bring from the past into my relationship with pull-ups, that I think they're hard, that at some point I thought they were impossible. And they represent this sort of um, victory over that mindset, over that past mindset with them, because I can do them now. So they're important to me because I want that victory over that mindset. But that's also the past mindset that they're hard and they're difficult. And, and the other piece of it is I've always injured myself when I try to get better at them. So there's all this sort of negative stuff that comes from the pull-ups. And when I go, when I've been training into trying to hit my 10 pull-ups, I've been bringing that negativity into the, into the space. Yes, of course I can do them now, but they still sort of haunt me with this like symbolism of what they mean. They're hard. And in a lot of ways, I doubt that I can do them even though I know I can, even though I've proven over and over that I can, I still doubt that I can do them. And it's really being stuck in the past. Everything in the now, everything in the future tells me I can do them, but I'm still stuck in this past of, I can't do it. 
So I do things to work on my mindset. I videotape myself doing them because so I can watch them, watch myself doing them so I can program my mind to believe that I can actually do them. And it works. It totally works. I'm not, I mean, if you watch yourself doing something more enough times, you're going to start believing that you can actually do it. And, uh, and what I've noticed is that my mindset has shifted from everything that was hard about them into this belief and this capacity that I'm going to do 10 pull-ups. And now I've switched my focus to the future. I'm going to do 10 pull-ups. And when I have that mindset, when I have that future oriented, goal oriented mindset into bringing that into the pull-up, I have so much more energy for the pull-ups. They're not weighing me down. I'm not scared. I mean, before I would literally be scared that I couldn't complete however many sets I was going to do. And instead I'm like, no, I'm going to do 10. I know I'm going to do 10. So as long as I'm into the future, I have this confidence, right? Really interesting. And so, I mean, it, it really works for art this way too. It works for everything too. I mean, if we have these mindsets that we've drawn, these conclusions that we've drawn from the past, we often take them into the present and into the future with us, whether they serve us or not. So, you know, if in the past I felt rejected because somebody didn't like my painting or because somebody acted like they wanted to buy something, but then they didn't or whatever, I bring that bias. It's basically a bias into the next process. Oh, people won't like this painting. This painting's not going to sell all that kind of stuff. If, if I don't get into a more future oriented goal oriented mindset, I can let the past really, um, really start to control me. So this mindset piece coupled with the spaciousness of time, this idea of moving out of the past, even though I say I'm really goal oriented, I'm still bringing the past with me into the goals, which is not helping me. I need to be more focused on what I, the belief that the future can actually happen than that the past is controlling what's happening. But as I move into, as I move into these spaces when which I'm shedding the past, I'm going beyond what I believed was possible. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. So it's this interesting, wonderful, like slow, steady progress, consistency, spaciousness of time, just giving yourself the space that you need to do to that you need to be and believe that you can move yourself into the future and into the direction of your goals without the, the past and, you know, the negativity drawing you down can take you beyond what you thought was possible in small ways now, right? In really small ways. Like I just, I can do stuff in my workouts I never thought I could do. I'm, I'm moving into art in new and interesting ways. That, that's been beautiful. That's been beautiful. And I keep saying this, I keep saying it over and over and over again, that I really believe that this pandemic has changed things so fundamentally that what worked before is not going to work into the future. I worry about people's mental health in that way, because I think, you know, some people used busyness. Busyness was really, really popular before this <laughs> pandemic. It was almost a badge of honor to be busy, you know, to be so busy, they couldn't talk to you, to be so busy that they couldn't, they couldn't even you know, extend their friendship, stuff like that. That doesn't work in this situation, does it? I mean, we're not busy. If you were, I mean, there are some people who are really busy. I get it. Some people have like, this is totally dialed up their jobs and stuff like that. 
But beyond the job and the work arena, we really don't have a lot of extra stuff to do. Being busy to hide or to hide from intimacy, to hide from whatever you don't like about yourself, to hide from whatever insecurities you had, that doesn't work anymore, does it? So figuring out new ways to be is really important because what worked before is likely not working anymore. Working on the mindset, working on their relationship with time and developing and appreciating the slow, steady progress. It's been basically like an amazing experience for me. And I believe that this idea that um, what worked before will not work in the future. I, I think that's going into the future. I think that's going into politics. I think that's going into how we're going to work together in the future. I think that's when we go into education. I think it's pretty, it's pretty clear that a lot of things need to change really fundamentally for things to actually start to feel functional again. Um, because right now things don't feel very functional, feels very dysfunctional, feels very, very broken right now. And we're working on that. And because things are so broken, I don't despair. I don't despair. I, I mean, it is, it is crazy and horrific. Some of the stories that you hear and it is, I want to validate that. And within that lies art. Within it all lies art. And it's crazy because it's totally not valued. It's so not valued. And yet everybody loves all the murals that are going up around Seattle on the restaurant uh, storefronts and Everybody finds that so hopeful and we need that hope right now as much as we maybe don't directly value the artist. The artist is here to bring hope. And I've had these funny moments in this pandemic where, I mean, I sold a painting recently and at the time I thought, what are you doing buying art? And here I am, I'm talking about the value of art and it is valuable. And yet at the same time, when somebody values it, I think you're crazy which is silly. I sold a painting and because she loved it because it made her feel good. It just made her feel good. Giving people that now feels so much bigger than it did before. Like the good stuff. Have you noticed that? Like the good stuff feels really, really good right now. Uh, we, I hope it does for you. We love each other more. We appreciate each other more when we're in the mood to do so. When you see a piece of art that you love, you just really, really love it. And you have to have it, even if you don't have any wall space for it, like she told me. <laughs> so, so that was beautiful. That was really beautiful. I also have been commissioned to paint some furniture, some bright colors and patterns and have fun with it. And I love it because she didn't want to look at white anymore. She was just sick of her plain white furniture because she's been sitting in our house most of the time, looking at her furniture and thinking, God, that's ugly, right? So uh, art wins, color wins under these circumstances. We need the artist to come in and say color is important right now. And honestly, in some ways, I think that especially in interior design was getting kind of boring. So I'll take some color in my life for sure. It's, it's great for the emotions. It's great for feeling good. I love color. I love beauty. And I recently painted a painting for a friend who uh, going through a tough time, transformational time too. She gave me some words to paint from and see outrageous grace, mercy, outrageous grace, mercy, ease. 
That's crazy. The, the, that was like so not fair for her to give me those words all together in one painting. But I painted it for her because I wanted to connect with her over this really, you know, we're all going through a bad time and she's going through a bad time. And I can't say that I know what, what it's like to be her, but I do care for her and um, and I can paint for her. And so art provides connection in a time when we're deeply disconnected, you know, with all this physical distancing and lockdowns. And I mean, yeah, we can talk about Zoom if you want to, but I mean, this is connecting on a different level, giving space. This art is giving space for somebody else to feel what they need to feel, to see how they're feeling, to, to see it interpreted and validated through the piece. Art's really important in all this as well. Not just if you're creating, which maybe you are, but also in what you're appreciating. I think, I think that's, and I honestly think that it's going to become more important. Actually, the worse that it gets, more important art is going to be maybe not valued again, but from this like emotional human sort of position, we're really going to need it. Because again, what worked before will not work into the future. We got to value art more. And this, so these lessons, these, these ideas is seeing like in these moments, this sort of intense moment, seeing these moments of when art is really, really powerful, this falling in love, this just needing the stimulation of art, just uh, connecting uh, experiences over art. They're just sort of magnified in my life. They're, they're strengthened. You know, I've started this podcast talking about feeling helpless, feeling like I can't be helpful, not at the front lines. And, you know, maybe my life just really isn't that useful, but I have moved into understanding the value of what I do and the position that it puts me in, in providing hope and beauty and connection. And that's profound. For spending this time with me and for spreading the word about creative and curious. You can find me here every Thursday with new thoughts and insights on creativity, curiosity, and life. Tell me what you think. Please email me your comments and questions at marika at marikarenke.com. And if you feel inclined, leave a review. They really do mean the world to me, and they'll help this podcast reach people just like you. And the best thing that you can do keep creating. Thanks again.